The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Church, let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to the New Testament book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. If you're visiting with us, Today, or you're unfamiliar with the Scripture, there's a uh, Bible in the pew back that's in front of you. And uh, the Bible is um, uh, most like uh, a lot of other books. There's a table of contents in the front. And so uh, on the far right-hand side of your Bible, you'll find uh, 1 Peter and then 2 Peter. And the large numbers are the chapters. The small numbers are the verses. So 2 Peter chapter number 3. Brothers and sisters, what wonderful music. It uh, encourages my heart. And to sing those songs together. Second Peter chapter number three. And this morning we'll do this just a little bit differently. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read this entire chapter. There's 18 verses. And so you hold your attention on the text and I will read it for us and then we'll see what the Lord has to say. Second Peter chapter number three, verse number one. This now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere, pure minds by way of remembrance, that you should remember the words which spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by the apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking and following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of His coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the Word of God the heavens existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of the water and by the water, and through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with the water. By His Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. And the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements with the destroyed with the intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all of these things are to be destroyed in that kind of way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and in goodness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements with melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in where righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in Him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom God gave him, wrote to you, as also in his letter speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do all the rest of the Scriptures to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, 
so that you are not carried away the error of the unprincipled men and fall from your steadfastness, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and on the day of eternity. Amen. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Our Father, we do ask for Your blessing upon the reading of Your Word. We pray now that in the next few moments of time that uh, all that are gathered in this room today, uh, both saved, both lost, to those who believe, those who are skeptical, Lord, those who are members, those who are just joining us for the fact that it's around Christmas time, we pray that all of our minds and our hearts and our souls would be focused upon Your Word. Lord, we have sung together, we have uh, fellowship together, we have given together, we have prayed together. And now it is time to listen to Your Word together that we might be changed and conformed and transformed into the image of Your dear Son. And we shall love You and thank You for all of Your goodness and mercy and kindness. For it is in the name of the good Lord Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. This season, uh, on these Advent Sundays, we read from the lectionary. And, uh, and so we uh, covered last uh, Sunday, we were in Isaiah 64 and, uh, you know, preached last Sunday and then uh, went home, had the in-laws in town, we had some fun. And uh, so somewhere in the afternoon, usually Sunday afternoons, I begin to think about the, the text for the next Sunday. And, and so I looked at what, as a staff, what we had looked through and the lectionary text and I noticed that it was Second Peter 3. And so I began to read, read 2 Peter 3, and I was reading and reading, and I was thinking, man, the earth is going to melt with fervent heat that all of the things of the world are going to burn up. And, and I thought, is this really the lectionary text for the second Sunday of Advent as we hope and we have peace and joy in the first coming of the Lord Jesus? And so I checked the lectionary again, and then I checked another lectionary. I was checking lectionaries all over. I didn't know there were so many lectionaries. I was looking for, like, Jesus was born of a virgin. Let's all have a great time. That verse is not in the Bible. I even texted the staff and said, are you sure 2 Peter 3? And uh, I think maybe they just wanted me to squirm this week and figure out how to preach this text during Christmas season. But yes, the longer we looked at it and the longer we prayed over it and the more that we put our minds and our hearts into the text, we understand that the reason uh, why Advent came about and the reason why the early church fathers began to say, hey, we need to recognize the first coming on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is what we are going to do is focus our attention and our hearts and our minds on the fact that one day this same Jesus that was born into the manger and died on Golgotha, that this same Jesus will come again. And if our hearts and souls and minds begin to be stirred and helped and breath of God is breathed into us, that we remember that no matter how bad the world is, no matter what the news stations look like, no matter what the nerves are and the ulcers in our stomach, that this same Jesus shall so come again in like manner as you have seen Him go. If we believe and hold to and love and look and long for the second coming of Jesus, then all of us will gather on Sundays like like this, and we will worship the first coming of Jesus. Amen? So I begin to look through this text and think, how in the world can I bring this to bear on the first coming, the first advent of the Lord? And I was thinking about, do you know that four times in this passage, the Apostle Peter addresses the church as beloved? 
Beloved. Look back if you would at verse number 1. This now, beloved. Some of your versions may read something like dear friend, dear loved one, dear child. It is an endearing term. It is a term around this time of year in which we say dear beloved. I know many of you write Christmas cards and you share with what God is doing in your life and in your family and with your friends. And Maybe you might start a Christmas letter by saying beloved or dear friend I want you to know I want you to be encouraged by what God is doing and anticipation of what God will do in the future. Verse number 1, this is now beloved, the second letter. Look if you would at verse number 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. And then look if you would uh, according there in um, verse number 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in Him. And verse number 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this, beforehand. The Apostle Peter is writing to a church that is going uh, through much persecution and problems and heartaches and four times in the last chapter he says to them, my beloved. I remember years ago when I was a younger preacher, I went to a church and there was a very, uh, I guess maybe the wrong word to say, like old pastor. He was a seasoned pastor, right? And he was up in years and he was speaking in his congregation and he would speak to them and he would say, now beloved, this is what we need to do. And beloved, I love you and this is what we need to do. And beloved, I, I remember thinking how endearing it is that the shepherd of that church would greet his people and minister and shepherd to his people by calling them the beloved of God. I remember some years after that going to another church and the man was an even older pastor and he would greet his congregation and speak to them by calling them children. Well, at 39 years of age, I'm not old enough to call all of you children. <laughs> but I do want to speak on behalf of the Apostle Peter. And on this second Sunday of Advent, I want to just draw us all in together. And as the shepherd of this congregation, I want to share with you what the Apostle Peter says to the beloved of that day and what he says to the beloved of this day. So would you join me? Look what he says here in the first seven verses. Maybe you could just summarize it by saying this, Beloved, be stirred, right? And be steady. Be stirred, and be steady. Look at these verses. This is now, beloved, this is the second letter, right? He wrote First Peter. This is the second letter that I'm writing to you in which I am stirring. The word there means to awake. It is uh, for, for moms and dads, it's when you go in there and it, it is Christmas break for your teenager and so they are like three, they, they, they are in a comatose state because it's Christmas break and it's 11.30 in the morning and it's just time for all of God's people to wake up and you shake them until they wake up. Right? I stir you up. I wake you up. And I want to say to all of us here as Emmanuel that Peter speaks to the people of that day who were going through all kinds of persecution. And if he speaks to people and believers who are going through persecution and he says you're slumbering, you're asleep, wake up to what God is doing, then I fast forward that into our 21st century, into our church where everything, we are not facing that kind of persecution. And I say all the much more to us, wake up church. Be stirred. Be something. Be something. 
Be stirred. Be steady. Look what he says about the stirring here. I stir up your sincere minds by way of remembrance or a reminder. And look at what he says in verse number 2. He grabs both the Old Testament and the New Testament and says, I want the Word of God to stir you up that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets. That's speaking about all of the prophetic Old Testament. In fact, all of your Old Testament is prophetic. It is pointing to Jesus. Luke 24, 47, Jesus said, beginning from Moses and the prophets and the writings, I begin to tell them all things concerning myself. The Old Testament is not the history of Israel alone. It is the history of Israel which foretells and prophesies the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I want your minds to be stirred up by the holy prophets of old. But look what else he says here. And the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by none other than the apostles. Do you see what he's doing here? He's reaching back to the Old Testament. He's reaching into the New Testament. And he is saying, I want you to be stirred awake and alive to what God is doing in the first coming and in the second coming by the Word of God. You see, brothers and sisters, this is not just some sort of motivational speech. This is not Tony Robbins just telling you how to live some sort of better life. It is from the Word of God that we ground ourselves in what God is doing in the world. I get reminded sometimes of like, you know, in high school, uh, some of our friends are here, maybe you played high school football or high school baseball or basketball. I played high school basketball on a team that was really sorry. And in fact, there were several games where we only had five guys and we played the whole time. And we got beat by 60 one time, okay? I'm just sharing, all right? It's life, I'm sharing. (laughs) We would be in the locker room sometimes before the game. Man, I'm telling you, you had the eye of the tiger going from that Rocky IV CD. You know what I'm talking about, right? You all jazzed up. You're here. I mean, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And you're jacking yourself up on some sort of mental uh, dream. And then you get out on the court and you realize that your skill set is nowhere close to the people you're playing against. I just want to be, I want you to be careful. There's a lot of people in the world that jack themselves up and get all hyped up on what their mental capabilities are and their physical skill set and who they know and how much money they have in the bank. And when it comes time to play the real life game and relationships, they fail. Because they're not stirred up on the Word of God. They're stirred up on the Word of themselves. The Apostle says, Hey, beloved, this time of year... Even in Christmas, even as we bring ourselves to the first coming by thinking of the second coming, I want you to be stirred and I want you to be steady. Look at the next few verses. This is pretty important. Verse 3 says, Know this first of all, that in the last days, there's going to be all kinds of mockers and they're mocking and following after their own lust. And look at what, this is what those mockers are going to say in verse number 4. Hey, where is the promise of His coming? And don't you know they were saying that for 400 years between the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament? Hey, there's no Messiah coming. There's no prophecy that's going to be fulfilled. There's nobody that's going to come in Bethlehem. But He did. Amen? That's right. Hey, where is He coming again? Oh, you, you people, you've been looking for Jesus to come back. He's never coming back. In fact, let me tell you something. Forever since the Father fell asleep, all continues as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, 
Look what it says, verse 5. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the... What's it say? By the Word. You see, in verse number 2, we are to be stirred by the Word. In verse number 5, we are to be steadied by the Word. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the Word of God... The heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the waters and through the world at that time was destroyed being by the flood of the water. But by His, say it church, by His Word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for the fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. The Word of God should stir us up to live for Him. And you know what? I bet y'all going to all leave me out hung, hung out to dry here, but have you ever, even in your believing life as a Christian, had a thought, is Jesus really coming back? Because it's been a long time. Some dude wrote a book a lot of years ago called like 88 Reasons Why Jesus Is Coming Back in 1988. Well, he missed his kazip pretty good, didn't he? And that goober out there in Texas that writes those books every few years just to make a bunch of money off of, uh, off of well-meaning people that uh, you're going to have this blood moon and you're going to have this uh, whatever it is and all the uh, Jesus coming back on the 21st. It all fails. And sometimes I feel like saying, that's right, you're wrong, the Bible's right. But secretly in my mind, sometimes I'll drive down the road and say, man, Jesus, are you coming back? Hey, am I doing is this whole ministry thing of trying to lead people to Christ and get them out of sin and get them right with you and get them right with their family, is this all for naught? Is this fake? Is, am, am, I don't want to live my life. I don't want to go 50, 60, 70 years in the ministry and, and, and be misleading people. Well, if you had never felt like that, that's what I think. Some of us get a little nervous sometimes. When you get nervous, let your heart be steadied by the Word of God. The Word of God told us that He would come the first time, and He did. And the Word of God tells us that He will come the second time, and He will. Amen? Right? Be stirred, be steady. Look at verse number 8. Let me give you a quickly, I'll move along here. Look at um, verse number 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. Right? There it is, the second one. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Man. And then look at verse number 9. The, the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but to all to come to repentance. Here, here's, here's the second one. Uh, we, we say, beloved, I, I need to look at that. I don't have my glasses on. Beloved, be mindful and be ready. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, look, you need to be mindful about the very character and the nature of God. Do you think about the character and the nature of God often? Or do you just thank Him for what He's given you? Hey, boys and girls, our teenagers and young adults and even 39-year-old men that like to get a gift at Christmas time, do you think about who is behind the gift that's underneath the Christmas trees? Or do you just think about the gift that you want? 
I would submit to you that sometimes it is very important in our life not to just be appreciative and thankful for what God has given us, our salvation and our families and our friends and our jobs and our churches, but it's to look beyond that and to say you are glorious for in and who you are, that you are the triune God, that you need nobody in the world. And here is a bit of false theology that you might want to throw out. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God needed you. The reason why God exists in a trinity, one God in three persons, is because He can equally pour out His love and kindness in all the persons of the trinity, and He never needed the world nor you. In His decree of love and grace, He brought the world into being, and He allows us to draw breath into our lungs. We are the ones that need Him. He is not the one that needs us. Right. Be mindful of who He is. That He is sovereign. That He is holy. That He is good. That He is merciful. That He is patient. Be mindful of God. Not just to what He gives, but of who He is. And be ready. Look down at the text if you would. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Uh, for my scholars in here, maybe I should just have you say this. 1 Thessalonians 4 and chapter, and chapter 5 speaks about the coming of the Lord being as a thief in the night. There is one coming of God. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now look at verse number 11, and you walk away here today with a little application in your soul. Since all of these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct, godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Can I, can I just say to you, because God is coming again, because Christ is coming again as the lion and not the lamb, not in the manger, but from the clouds on high in judgment. Because that same baby in the manger one day rule with a rod of iron, because Jesus is coming again, don't you think that that ought to influence the way that you live your Christian life? Don't you think that you ought to give up some of those things that you're viewing on your computers and your phones that you don't want your spouse to know about? Don't you think that you ought to lay down some of the way that you speak to each other? Don't you think that you ought to lay down some of the uh, besetting sins in your life of pride and arrogance and selfishness and put on the life of the Lord Jesus Christ of godliness and holy character? Why? Because Jesus is coming again. Beloved, at this time of year, why don't you make a fresh start? Why don't you let some of the noise go? And why don't you say, hey, you know what? Jesus is coming in that manger and He lived and He died and He rose again. And I'm going to give my heart and life to Him because this same Jesus is coming again. I want to live a holy and a right life. Beloved, I call to you on behalf of the Apostle Peter and I say, be ready. Be mindful of God and His character and be ready. Well, let me have these last two for you. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, there it is again. Since you look for these things, right? 
Be diligent to be found by Him in peace. See, he's writing to a church here. And spotless and blameless. And look at verse number 15. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Maybe what we should be is beloved, be unified, and be evangelistic. Do we have the bond of peace in our church? Or do you gossip and murmur and talk about things that you don't know about? God wants us to be a church that regards the peace. And the Bible says, endeavor to preserve the peace of the body of Christ in the spirit of unity. We must be unified. Thinking about all that God is doing this next coming year and all of the changes and the, uh, all the things that we'll be doing for Him this next year, we must be unified. We must be together. We must have the peace of God that passes all understanding that can bring this group of people together in Christ and then account the patience of God for salvation. Share the Gospel with your neighbors, with your friends, with your co-workers. Somebody was asking me the other day, they said, in church life, what's the best evangelistic program? I'll tell you, the best evangelistic program is just to create a culture in the minds and the hearts of people that want to bring others to faith in Christ. Whether that be at a gas station, whether that be in a restaurant, whether that be in a grocery store, whether that be writing a card to your family members, whether that be inviting somebody to come to some of the events in the life of the church, we have to build a culture of invitation, a culture of evangelism. Why? Because God is being patient. Every day that Jesus doesn't come back is a day of mercy in the life of an unbeliever. Yeah. Oh, that old song, man. That's a good song. Are you homesick for heaven? I'm fine if you're homesick for heaven. I mean, if you really mean that, why don't you say, Lord, give me a heart attack so I can go on to heaven, you know? But every day you talk about being homesick for heaven is another day that passes for an unbeliever in this world, and without Jesus, they will die and go into eternal judgment. Heaven's coming. One day, all of these light afflictions will fall away, and for believers, we will have a wonderful time with Jesus. Amen? But for every unbeliever that is in this room today, and every unbeliever that is in this 27608 zip code, and every unbeliever in Raleigh and in North America and around the world, if they die without Jesus, they die and go into the eternal fire. Wednesday night, I sat... At Wednesday night service, and a dear sister talked about going to a funeral this last week. And it was stark, it was true, it was just timely. She was gracious and broken, and she said, We know he was not a believer. I do funerals all the time for unbelievers. And the vast majority of families scratch and claw and beg for any hope that that person was a believer. But if they die without Christ, they're hopeless. Let's be the kind of church beloved this time of year. Use Christmas. Use the birth of Christ as an opportunity at your Christmas party at work to talk about what God is doing in your life 
and to talk about the salvation that He brought you. Don't miss the chance to be an evangelist. Let me give you the last one here. Look at verse number uh, 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, you can see the points in 17 and 18. It's not like a rocket science here, right? Be on guard and be growing. Look at what's verse 17. Beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by an error of unprincipled men and fall from uh, your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know what the Apostle Peter says to us today in light of the coming of Jesus, in light of Christmas Day? He says to all of us, be on guard. That you're not carried away by... <clears throat> I think an older version says, every wind of doctrine. But you're not carried away by all of that kind of stuff. You turn, you know, I've told you before, you turn on the religious channels, and I mean, you don't know what you're going to see. And they're asking you to send money to this and send money to that. And I'm telling you, put your faith and your trust in Christ and be in the Word so that you're not led astray by those that are not in the Word. Be on guard. Listen carefully to what people are saying. And be growing. What's it say? Grow in grace and grow in knowledge. Aren't those two things that we need more of? Even in our own life, in our own family, in our own church, in our own community. We need to be people of grace and people of knowledge. Not knowledge for knowledge's sake the knowledge of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to say to you today, let me make just two, two points here. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe somebody invited you and you're just here visiting. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to understand today that Christ died for your sins. He was buried and He rose again so that if you would put your faith and confidence in Him, He would give you everlasting life, not only in the future, but right now. That little baby in the manger grows up to die on a cross and is raised and brought out of the tomb so that you could have new life. Would it be okay if I just speak to our church body for a minute? I was thinking this week, I was thinking about Peter's beloveds, and I was thinking about how I need to be a shepherd for us, helping us in December and and moving on into the new year. And I, I have four, four just practical beloveds for us, just ways that you can help your own life as we move forward the rest of the summer. Let me just give them to you quickly. We're done. I would say from me to you, beloved Emmanuel, would you be supportive of the remaining activities that we have in December? Don't give up. Don't lay down. This is not the time to fail. This is not the time to go wobbly in the knees. As Margaret Thatcher might have said. This is the time to stand firm and to stand strong. I said, what do you mean by that? Next Saturday, our deacons are going to be serving our, uh, our homebound community. Next Sunday evening, we're going to go caroling into our neighborhood. Now, uh, the following Wednesday, the 20th, we have our Christmas around the table here. Wonderful opportunity on a Wednesday night just to invite somebody from work or a friend or a neighbor say, look, just come have a meal. It's a very easy way for them to be exposed to the Gospel. And then we'll have our Christmas Eve service on the 24th. Uh, many, many lost people will go to a Christmas Eve somewhere, a Christmas Eve service somewhere. Why not here? Don't give up. Be beloved. Supportive.
of what's left in this year. Here's a second one. Would you be faithful where you can to Wednesday evening Bible study? I know, some of you are like, oh boy, stop preaching, start a meddling. Hey, I know it's easy this time of year. I know we've stopped off with meals. I know this sort of thing. But certainly you wouldn't eat just one meal today and then eat next Sunday regular food. Why don't you pop in 6.30 on Wednesday night, study the Bible, or try not to go too long, pray together as a church. Would you be faithful, beloved, where you can to Wednesday night service? You know, I talked to somebody one time here, and it was just, I, I know they probably didn't even mean it, but somebody said to me one time, they said, I'm a little concerned about, uh, about the attendance at the dinner on Wednesday night. And, uh, and, and then I was there that night, and they attended the dinner and then went home. And you know what I realized is that person had never read these words. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I said, Don't, we, I'm concerned too. I want everybody in the whole church to come and have dinner. But if you can't come and have dinner, that's one thing. But you ought to come and worship. I'm not so concerned about who comes or doesn't come to dinner. We're concerned about your own spiritual health that you come when you can. I understand. I know we live busy lives. Where you can, be faithful. Be faithful, beloved. Right? And then be prayerful. Be prayerful. Pray for your search committee. They are doing such a good job and working hard, narrowed down. Uh, I believe with the hope and the power of God, uh, they're looking at uh, bringing our next staff member here uh, sometime in January. And I think that's going to be a wonderful way for us to begin the new year. And uh, 2018 will be good. We'll walk right on with that, marching on that. Would you just pray for that search committee that God would give them grace and strength and mercy and that God would unify all of us and that God would set us on a trajectory in 2018 for uh, that family ministry. God would bless that. Would you, beloved, would you be prayerful for that? And then lastly, would you be in attendance on January the 14th? I, I want to tell you that January 14th is going to be an important day. In fact, why don't all of you right now while I'm talking take out your iPhones Okay, go ahead. This is the one time you have permission. Take your phone out. I know. Put your calendar, January the 14th. You say, I'm out of town. Cancel it. You say, I've got family in town. Tell them you got the flu. You say, uh, I'm, on, I'm on vacation. Cancel that. Listen, it's important. It's important. January 14th. Uh, we're going to, uh, this past Thursday, spend the day with staff planning next year. And I'm really excited about some of the things that God's going to do in the life of our church. I can't even tell you the major changes that are coming on the 14th. But what I can do is we're going to take uh, about maybe 30, 40 minutes in the service. We're just going to set out for you the uh, major events in the life of the church for 2018. We're going to give you the dates. We're going to give you the times. We're going to give you opportunity to sign up to serve in that. You're going to know all of the major church-wide events in 2018. You're going to know all those on January the 14th. And that way you can mark them all, that you can be there, that you can serve. That's some really good things. I believe that God is going to bless and do some wonderful and mighty things in our church in 2018. So would you be here on January the 14th? Now that's four ways that you could help follow the admonition of the Apostle Peter. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a moment? <clears throat> little, little different service today. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing together.
before the music plays, before we have that moment, I just want to share with you, if you're here and you are a believer and you've been coming here for a while, and maybe you say, there's some areas that you preached on today from the Word that I need to get right in my life. When we stand and start singing, I want to welcome you. You're more than welcome to come down to these steps and to pray. You're more than welcome to pray right where you are in your own heart and life right there. But hey, I want to challenge you not to be the same person that you have been being. Make some changes right now. Ask the Spirit of God to help you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the only decision that you can make is to give up fighting and to say, Dear Jesus, I lay down my weapons and I ask You to be my Lord and Savior. If you'll do that today, you can do that by coming down here and praying together. Somebody will pray with you. You can do that right there in the seat you are. You can see one of us after the service today. You make that decision today. This church will walk with you the rest of your life as you serve Him. Would you stand with us and sing for a moment? You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.